Hello and welcome back to Fast Charge for episode 66, two-thirds of the number of the beast. We are most of the way there. We're going to keep going till we hit the full 666 in a while. Uh, I am your host Dom, as ever, joined by Toddy and Lewis. And then this week we also have Somrata on the call. Uh, that is because today is a Google I.O. special and Somrata was one of the unlucky four of us assigned to sit and watch what was a slog of an announcement. Uh, it was very dull to watch. It will not be dull to hear us talk about it, I promise, because we're basically going to focus on all the good bits that Google concentrated into the last half hour and not all the nonsense about talking aeroplanes that it put in for the first hour and a half. Uh, the only thing I do have to warn you is, sadly, we do not have Michael Pena making a cameo this week. We're trying to get hold of him for next time. <laughs> Before we get into all of that, a few little bits and pieces of other news to run through. Uh, first of all, some slightly surprising, slightly sad news that uh, IFA, the big tech conference that normally takes place in Berlin every September, will not be going ahead this year. It's been entirely cancelled. No hybrid event from the sounds of things, just no IFA. Um, this is kind of expected. The one thing that makes it kind of odd is that MWC is still going ahead. That is the one that normally takes place in February. It's now set instead to take place next month. Uh, they, uh, the organizers are still, after EFA's announcement, insisting MWC is going to go ahead. That's despite the fact they've had some pretty big names like Samsung and Nokia already pull out of the show. So some sort of MWC is going to happen. I don't think we'll be there. I'll say I haven't met a single journalist who thinks they're going to attend the show. <laughs> but, you know, good luck to them. Uh, Qualcomm took the chance to throw yet another chipset out in the world. Uh, it does feel like we're getting one every month at this point. We've now got the Snapdragon 778G. Uh, this is a 6 nanometer chip. I think it's Qualcomm's first 6 nanometer. We've had 5 nanometer, of course, in the flagship 888, but I think this might be their first uh, on a 6 nanometer scale. This is a... Probably the best way to see this is a successor to the 765G from last year, that very popular mid-ranger. It sits slightly below the 780G in Qualcomm's current lineup. There's a lot of mid-range chips they're throwing out at the moment, so it is a little hard to keep track of the exact minute details, but this is a mid-range chip. It will pop up in phones ranging from, I don't know, two or 300 pounds up to five or 600 pounds, I would guess. Uh, and I think Realme is the first company to come out swinging and say they are working on a 778G phone, but we don't know what. We also saw the Poco M3 Pro unveiled this week. This is yet another cheap Poco phone. This one starts from 179 euros. Probably the only notable thing about it really is that it's 5G and 5G at 179 euros, which is pretty good going. Uh, that will be one of the very cheapest 5G phones about if you're interested. Uh, MediaTek Dimensity 700, 90 hertz display. Um, it looks like it's pretty solid. Again, it's Poco, so it seems to be kind of exceptional value for the money, but otherwise not desperately exciting. The Vivo X60 Pro finally, finally, has a UK and European release date. Uh, this is a phone that Vivo announced in December. Uh, so now it's taken them just under five full months to finally declare that it will be coming to the UK and Europe from June 3rd. Uh, it's the only one of the X60 series we're getting. 
uh, and it will cost £749 or €799. Euros. That is the exact same price as the X51 last year, which we did complain was quite overpriced. I've got to admit, I feel a little bit the same way this time around. Um, it's a really lovely phone. I'm a huge fan of the X60 Pro. Uh, we spoke about it on the show a few weeks ago, but that is quite a lot of money and does put it right up in that flagship space against the big names fighting it out like Samsung and Apple. And I just don't know if Vivo can hold its own at that price point right now in Europe. And then final little bit of news for this week uh, was Apple and Amazon both announcing uh, their sort of separate high-res audio formats within minutes of one another. Uh, in a sign that clearly one of them knew what the other was doing. Um, I think Apple got there first, announcing that spatial audio and lossless audio were coming to uh, Apple Music free of charge. So just if you subscribe to Apple Music already, you will get the bump up to those those quality measures. Uh, I think five minutes later, maybe 10 minutes, <laughs> Amazon threw out its own press release saying, well, we're giving high-res audio for free as well. Um, Amazon has already had high-res audio, but it used to charge £13 a month for it, I think. Uh, certainly a, a chunk that may be more um, but anyway it used to be a paid add-on they're now just saying that's free as well um, I'm curious to see if everyone else now just has to follow suit because Spotify announced that they were doing a high-res or, or lossless scheme that was going to launch this year they hadn't announced pricing for that yet I can only assume they intended to charge people money for it and you now have to wonder if they possibly can uh, or if they're just going to have to wait out and add that as a free upgrade as well or whether they're going to have to shrug and say well look I'll, I'll our pockets aren't as deep as Apple or Amazon's. Maybe they can't afford to uh, just hurl that out completely for free. Right, on to the main event. Uh, we're going to talk all things Google I.O. today. We're going to start with Android 12, which I think is probably the biggest news for most people who watch Fast Charge or listen to Fast Charge. Uh, it has been officially unveiled and launched its first public beta, which Toddy has had the chance to try out on his Pixel 5. So we're going to have Toddy's thoughts. We're going to run through what's going on there. Next, we are going to turn to Wear, what used to be Wear OS, uh, Google's wearable operating system. The big news there being that it has announced it's working with Samsung to develop the next iteration of that. And then finally, we could turn to hardware. Uh, you may have noticed there were no hardware announcements at Google I.O. So instead, we are going to talk about what we kind of thought we might have seen at Google I.O. and are still a little surprised we didn't. And also everything else that we know or think is coming from Google this year, including the Pixel 6, obviously, and that pretty weird radical redesign that John Prosser leaked a few days ago. Uh, first up... Android. Uh, Tony, maybe you should kick it off because you've actually played around on Android 12 yet. I haven't quite dared to throw it on any of my phones yet. <laughs> um, yeah, I did a, a kind of uh, quick kind of run through everything that the beta one, which is the May beta brings to the table versus how that kind of what was shown on stage at IO 2021. Um, so there's definitely pieces of it that are missing in this beta. So if you're interested in jumping on it now and putting it on your device, Maybe hold off if you want to try out everything that Google showed off. Um, the most obvious thing that it brings to the table is this new Material U um, design uh, aesthetic, I guess, or, or kind of design and user interaction um, thing, which is it's a pretty significant visual overhaul to any previous build of Android in terms of the last few iterations. I can't think of um, as big a jump aesthetically than what we've seen from previous releases. So it looks and feels quite different to, especially Android 11. Um, everything is, 
I'd say bigger and bolder and how that translates in interaction is there's less on the screen, there's less information at a single glance, but then what is on screen is easier and clearer to glance at, if that makes sense. So a good example is the new um, notification shade or, or quick settings rather. You used to have six little icons along the top um, and now you just have four by default and you can still kind of customize those out as you would before, but having just four means you can also see the Wi-Fi network you're connected to and the Bluetooth device all at a glance and it's just a little bit easier to understand. Um, a thing that Google showed off that isn't part of this particular beta release is a whole host of new widgets um, that also tie into the Material U design language. Um, they just look really nice. They look very clean. They look quite playful. Um, there's a lot of like big rounded elements to Android 12 uh, that mm. we haven't really seen from Android before. Um, and another thing well, that they've I, showed I think... off that... Ooh. I was just what what I said in my my writer was it is it, this kind of weird mix of there's circles, squirkles, and just some squiggles. Like yeah. there's a lot of round things. There's a lot of like round things with wavy edges. There's a lot of like the new uh, weather widget that's kind of almost yes, cylindrical. Uh, very odd, you know, interesting sets of shapes they've kind of gone for. But everything, yeah, like you said, rounded and, and feels kind of playful. They haven't just gone, oh, this widget's a square because squares grid up nicely. Even standard widgets now, like standard, like your calendar or your Google Keep notes have all these very heavy rounded corners now. It's not an aesthetic that everyone's gonna love, but I think for the kind of brand image that the Pixel phones inhib like, um, inhabit, I think it works well for the Pixel yep. aesthetic. Um, so, you know, and that's obviously that, we're gonna good... see this, right? Like, Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was saying. That's a good point to make as much as we, the, the design change is the biggest thing here in Android 12, it's kind of funny because it's the bit the fewest people will see. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> it, you know, that's the bit that will come to Pixel phones and only Pixel phones. And then they even, mm -hmm. you know, it may be that the Nokias and the Motorola's that run on something close to stock, they may eventually, or probably will eventually, get a version of this. But from the way Google was talking about it, I felt like even when they get their Android 12 update, it wouldn't include Material U. They made it sound like that would be a Pixel exclusive feature. Yeah. The, so I think even the OEMs that try and stick to what Google does, it didn't sound like they're getting the, the aesthetic side of it yet. The, the Android 12 benefits that most users will experience, which uh, it's harder to kind of test for, if you will, would be more of the background security and privacy stuff, which is another kind of the two other kind of... Yep cornerstones of what android 12 is um so uh one of the kind of examples that they mentioned that isn't i think part of this i couldn't find it when i tried to let revoke um mm. certain uh app permissions is a thing called i think it's called like general location or approximate location something like that so instead of your location. phone yeah yeah having you know pinpoint accuracy on where you are if it's an app that doesn't need to know exactly where you are but it's like you're in london or you're in south london then it can do that instead. That's a permission you can kind of choose between how specific the location is. And that makes sense for all Android devices. That's something that can permeate all Android devices running Android 12. Um, Absolutely. I mean, that, it's, worth, it's, it's worth saying for people who aren't aware of how this stuff works, um, the way Google handles Android updates with the OEMs is that some features are compulsory and some are optional. Um, I don't know if we have like a, a rundown of what is and isn't, but, you know, they can kind of declare this security feature is compulsory. If you put Android 12 on your phone, you have to include it. Let's say this other, you know, this, this other more just sort of like nice to have feature is optional. You can have it if you want. 
and then this other feature is only for us you don't get it <laughs> there are also those features that uh other manufacturers have done for ages that google yes. is finally <laughs> catching up for and that's yeah. both in terms of pixel specific stuff but also general stuff so some phones some overlays like uh, maybe not touch with but one ui on samsung's devices have had screen recorders for yonks and i think that came in in, in android 11 i believe that was where it became native um, in, in Android 12, in this first beta, there's now a, uh, a reachability style one-handed mode. So similar nice. to iOS, more than scaling down the UI that a lot of other Android phones do, you just swipe down to the bottom and the whole UI kind of just drops down about halfway so you can easily reach stuff at the top. That could be an implementation that becomes standard in other Android phones, but with everyone having already developed one-handed mode pretty much, I don't know whether we'll see the Android 12 implementation of it hit those devices. Um, no, but it does work. Another example of that is scrollable screenshots. In yes, the same absolutely. Space. You can get you can get scrollable screenshots on plenty of other things. That's a screenshot where you can get the whole display of an app, even the bits that don't fit on your current screen. Um, that yeah, you could do that on quite a few different phones for a long time, but it was just never built into Android itself. And in twelve, I don't know if it's in this beta version or not, but Google did mention it on their site that scrollable screenshots are going to be in twelve. I was um, hoping it would be it's not in this release from my testing because right. uh, I took a lot of screenshots, obviously, for comparison's mm -hmm. sake. And yeah, currently it's still just the, the same as Android 11 where it just gives you a little kind of preview card once it's captured right. the yep. screen. That's it. You can just share or edit that. You can't add to it yep. in real time. Um, and this is this is just beta one. Um, I yes. They normally do three different public beta versions, certainly two or three. There's one a month till August with the as yep. assumption that Android 12 proper hits in September. So I think it's four. In, in terms of the, sorry. Go no, ahead. that's it. It's four. I was just um, curious because in terms of the aesthetic being more rounded, mm. do you think it's potentially because they want to make it transferable to something like a Pixel Watch or, you know, other non-phone devices? I guess the idea of making the the information easier to convey at a glance by having these bigger buttons and bigger icons, that could absolutely translate to a Pixel Watch, which is one of the things mm. that I will get onto we were yep. maybe expecting to see at least something about at IO 2021. Um, but that uh, is a fair point that they're not going to roll Android out elsewhere, but they were very clear that Material U as a design language is now the new design language for Google products. Mm. Yeah. Um, so maybe a Pixel Watch, but you know the other like obvious thing you might think of in terms of like a rounded design would be Nest thermostats um, yeah. and and other things like that. Um, not rounded, but uh, smart displays. So all these like Google ecosystem products that you have often that have just a very small, simple interface, you know, and tiny screens or whatever, they'll all now get some iteration of this. So I think exactly that idea, partly rounded, partly, as Toddy said, just things being bigger and bolder and clearer and trying to give you just more information at a glance, but in a way that's easier to read. Yes, absolutely. Rather than cramming more in. I feel like a lot of launches go through this journey of, first of all, they get the fundamentals right. Do they work? Uh, and then they kind of try and see how much information and, and things they can convey. But then it becomes cluttered and, and hard to use because of an overload of information. And then they pull back and it's how they pull back uh, or to what extent that they pull back that kind of governs whether it's, it's kind of deemed by users a good or a bad experience. And I think... Mm. This experience for Pixel users, because we can already really talk about them right now, I think it's anyone on the Pixel 3 and up can get this beta in its current form. Um, I think it's, yeah, I, I think it's it's a nice 
transition from what Android 11 uh, brought to the table, which I liked, but this seems more playful almost. Like animations is another big part of this update as well. So the way you move around the device feels a lot more fluid and, and, and something they've said is rather than taxing the hardware more to allow for those new animations and things, they've optimized Android to kind of counter the higher demand of these animations. So I don't know whether that means other devices that aren't pixels will also start featuring more animations provided it doesn't impact on performance. We'll have to wait and see. One big aesthetic element that I think you've already told me, Toddy, isn't in this version is the focus on color. Yeah, um, so a which big I was really hoping to try was, out. <laughs> yeah, a big part of the discussion of Material U is this idea that you can set custom color palettes, which look to be up to, up to five colors, and then these will run through like every element of the phone. Uh, from, from from your lock screen through to the quick settings and even, Google said, into your actual apps. Um, they said at, at launch it will be all of the Google apps will support these color palettes uh, and that in theory it would also then go to third-party apps but they were definitely less bullish about that being ready for, for autumn. Um, and then the, the kind of the extra element to that being that it could draw this color palette from analyzing your desktop, uh, your yes. wallpaper. AI and color let's figure science. out what colors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. So that that bit isn't there. Is there any color palette customization at all in beta one? I mean, you there was an existing set them. There, there was an existing one, at least with the Pixel launcher. Um, mm. So if you like press and hold on the home screen, or you can go into the settings, there's kind of wallpapers and style as an option. And the style, the collage is the default that I've got set on this Pixel, but um, which has a blue accent color, which is what the clock on the lock screen has, and the mm -hmm. notification quick settings have. Um, but there are about uh, five others, um, one called Ash, one called Sand or something. Um, and they have various tones, but they are all kind of around the same kind of pastel palette. So there's like a kind of peach one, a cyan, a purple, a green, and a kind of light gray. Um, but they are obviously independent of this kind of smart AI color picking that we're talking about, which would just mean you set a greenish wallpaper, say maybe some plants with a flower on it that's purple. And then the accent colors will complement green and purple, and it will consider everything in the frame of your wallpaper um, automatically, which obviously right now is just not part of the equation. I think it's very cool. What I wasn't clear on is whether we're going to get the ability to control that independently of the wallpaper, because I love the idea of it pulling from the wallpaper, but I could also see the use case where you're like, well, I like my wallpaper, but just because my wallpaper is purple, that doesn't mean I want everything on my phone to be purple. <laughs> But I do actually have a color palette I want to have. You know, I want to have this like UI that's like red and blue and yellow or whatever it is. And, you know, if, if you are able to go in and just, it doesn't seem, it seems to me that you should be able to just go in and say, I want my main color to be this shade of red my and my four accents to be these. Um, Google didn't show that as a menu and, and it sounds like it's not there in, yet at least. But that's what I'm hoping to see as the beta carries on. Considering it's... Um there's already a feature that lets you basically customize color, accent colors, at least one accent color. Um, I would be surprised if they removed that come Android 12 based on what's in the, basically that's an Android 11 vestigial piece right now that I'm using yeah. because the 12 implementation isn't there yet. So I'd be surprised if they remove it completely. It might just change, but yeah, hopefully, even if you can't set every color that the theme, the UI theme kind of adopts, I'm hoping they'll still give you some control, um, but yeah. we'll have to wait and see. We don't know when these additional features that they showed off on stage at IO will reach the various betas. Um, yep. I'm hoping to try out the widget soon. There is code on Google's Android developer site. If you want to kind of get hold of the widgets now, 
and play with them in, I think, in the emulator or if you can load them onto your device, fine. But um, they're not part of the update if you sign up for the beta, which anyone with a compatible device can do just on a whim. One thing I wanted to ask you all, because mm. it's kind of threw me for a loop when I saw it, but I've seen a few people criticizing this or at least noting and suggesting that it's Google trying to emulate iOS aesthetically, which just surprised me because I didn't get, I, that wasn't my read at all. Nothing about Material U made me think, oh, that's Apple, that's iOS. You know, I recognize what they're doing here. The only thing that got me from my hands-on experience was was that reachability one-handed mode. That was it. Aside from that, it seems decidedly Google. It reminded me more of, in terms of you talking about the Nest products, it made me think more about the Nest Home smart display stuff and the UIs yep. there. And there's more, it's almost like that maybe uh, informed what material you was going to become because they were already moving that direction with their other products and they want to have this cohesion. So for me, yeah, it was just reachability. Sorry, the one-handed mode, but effectively <laughs> iOS's reachability that... Uh, yeah, that kind of made me feel like iOS. Everything else feels decidedly Google and Pixel. Does it feel like a massive jump from 11? Testing what what you have so far. The aesthetic changes are the most obvious difference. In terms of moving around the device, everything feels very intuitive still. That I haven't had to relearn anything major. Um, there are a few features like they've they've put the... They've plumbed in the groundwork for um, some new interaction features like back tap, which is actually another iOS mm -hmm. accessibility feature. They call it double tap here, but it is the idea is you double tap on the back of the phone and you can either take a screenshot or activate the Google Assistant. Okay. Um, and a, another trait that they've pulled from a lot of other Android devices and iOS is um, it's not enabled by default, but you can press, and press the power button on the Pixel. And that brings up the Google Assistant rather than bring up a power menu instead. Um, so in a roundabout way that would feel different to use if you're used to a pixel specifically, but for most other Android devices, that actually feels more intuitive, um, because that's already something that most other manufacturers do with their power menus now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say the learning curve right now is very small. Um, but I personally welcome the bigger, more drastic changes because that's the stuff that looks interesting and exciting. And hopefully yeah. it's nice to use as well. It might be terrible to use. Who knows? Maybe that, that new weather widget that's kind of like angled, which you, you'll see in screenshots, is just yeah. a nightmare to work with. I don't know. Um, beyond the design stuff, you touched on the privacy a little bit earlier, but that is kind of the second of Google's three pillars that they think about here. I think it's worth at least mentioning what some of the other bits of that privacy focus are, which is uh, there's a new privacy, I think it's the privacy dashboard, they call it, which gives you a sort of at-a-glance way to see... Um, which apps have accessed which parts of your data um, yeah. and at what times and from there very quickly revoke permissions for apps. So if you go in and do see that some app has accessed your microphone and you don't know why that app should have microphone access, you can straight away from there take it away. Um, and on a similar note, they've now clearly thinking from that microphone and camera perspective, they've added new sort of alert icons to let you know when either the microphone or the camera are in use. So if you see one of those pop up and you're like, hang on, I'm, I'm not on a video call. My camera shouldn't be active. Why is that that icon there? You know, something's up. Um, and also a really nice quick setting, I think, which is just the ability to instantly lock the camera and microphone access to all apps. 
for you know at a time when you know you don't want anything to be accidentally firing and, and listening or watching you can just quick setting turn off camera and mic access and then turn them back on whenever you feel like you need them yeah i was hoping for those indicators in this beta the the microphone and audio uh, and camera ones but they weren't there so but i think it's usually a green dot for the camera and a orange dot i think for the microphone mm -hmm. i wonder where they got um, that idea from i just i can't place I it <laughs> me neither it's weird <laughs> <laughs> that is one where I'll, I'll take the uh, you know the the suggestion that uh, Apple was maybe an influence here. There's obviously that bit, and and in general the privacy focus, especially mm. coming hot on the heels of iOS fourteen point five, which um, had a big privacy focus, and obviously with the sort of app permissions um, and the tracking permissions. This it's you know it is telling that Google is also going all in on privacy with this update. I don't think it goes as far as Apple does. Um, but that makes sense because it is a company that, on the whole, wants your data, monetizes your data <laughs> a lot. Yeah, you know, Apple kind of wants your data, but it's willing to leave it alone if you'll keep buying very expensive consumer electronics. Um, Google doesn't sell that many consumer electronics itself, so it really needs that data, guys. Oh. And it would really rather you didn't turn off all the permissions. Oh, Google. I mean, it's funny how they they try and like to say like, oh, we're not going to track you, but we do also sell ads. For everything ad space so maybe we track you a bit, a is, bit. That, is that cool tiny bit that's fine a bit. <laughs> but and, and in a way their as biggest... long as they turn off sorry sorry i was just saying as long as they turn off tracking from other people they'll be yeah, fine oh, exactly. and, yeah. Uh, yeah as long as they're just preserving their own uh data <laughs> their tracking is still there i mean also one of their big privacy announcements for the night was like by default we'll now delete your like tracking data after 18 months but it's still like well by default we're storing 18 months of data yeah. on you at any yeah. given time yeah. <laughs> uh, which is the flip side and from that angle it doesn't sound so good it's just it's better than what we've all been used to which is google stores everything forever is there anything you guys saw during the android section of io that you're like that's a feature i wish android had or was there anything that you wish android has that they didn't include in android 12 anything obvious that you're like oh man one of the smaller features i appreciate was the android tv remote because iOS has had oh, yeah. um, an Apple TV remote baked into its software for years at this point and ages yeah yeah and like I just can't see I mean I can't see why it took so long for, for Google to be like okay we're going to do this as well um, but yeah as someone that uses an Apple TV every day that is such a handy feature and then when I jump over to my shield uh, to use that I don't have that kind of thing on my iPhone I don't have it on an Android sure. so you just have to download the app and it just becomes you know more friction between you and actually getting control of the the TV so yeah, I'm being able to turn my TV on with like a Chromecast is great, but then once the Chromecast is on, there's only so much I can do with the TV. Yeah, I change like yeah. the volume of the TV from the Chromecast. So yeah, that that was a nice one. I also really liked again, and it's convenient. This is the kind of third pillar was their ecosystem support. I think they called it better together, but the uh, Android TV remote was part of that. The one that actually caught my eye was the Chromebook stuff. Um, and I'm not yes. a Chromebook owner, actually, so I will get no no joy from this myself. But it was the kind of thing that made me look and go, uh, maybe I do want a Chromebook after all. But now being able to use your phone to unlock your Chromebook and get all of your sort of Android notifications quickly, immediately on your Chromebook and access your phone's pictures directly from the Chromebook, all kind of mm -hmm. with what looked to be like one tap pairing, which, again, is the kind of stuff that's Apple's bread and butter and just no one on the android side has had quite enough total ecosystem control to pull off um it is obviously telling it's for chromebooks so if you're not in that niche that use those which is mostly like education users um and and a few business use cases but 
it's good to see Google taking that stuff seriously, finally. For sure. Well, the, the bit that um, uh, I'd written about it, the password management stuff, I thought, you know, well, it's not directly uh, Android 12, but um, just being able to change your password quite effortlessly, um, especially, you know, with all the recent hacks that have <laughs> happened through Facebook and just having having not only the um, awareness that your password has been compromised, but just being able to fix it right away. Like I thought that was, yeah, that is smart. yeah but it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to just see how effective it really is. Like how, how expensive is it? You know, um, if, if, if your password has been stolen, but not directly from an app on your phone, like it's not really going to be that helpful, but it, it's still interesting. That annoyed me only because I used to use um, Chrome as my password manager forever and always made a joke out of the fact that I've got terrible security habits and use that. So I finally got myself sorted about two months ago and started using a proper uh, paid password manager. And now they just made the Chrome one good. So <laughs> yes, that's the one I've done all that. It was like a day's work switching everything over. If I'd just been lazier and waited, I would have been fine. Well, you can transfer your passwords back into Chrome. I know now. it's going to be another day, another, though, isn't it? Another new I know feature. it's meant to be easy, but it's not going to be easy. These things are going to break because I've been through this in the other direction. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's good to see Google take that more seriously, though. Again, it is you know telling. It's just them trying to keep people in their in their space because I guess they noticed that the the narrative was kind of the Chrome password manager is is a crutch. It's not good enough. Get a proper one. Um, so it's interesting to see them step up and be like, no, we can rival the paid ones with what we're building ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, Google's the kind of company that can afford to throw throw the money at that. One of the um, smaller ones, uh, smaller improvements that I kind of picked up on was the system wide camera improvements. Not not so much. Um, I mean, the pixel binning stuff uh, is that was going to be supported Android twelve, which is exciting. But for me, the more exciting uh, portion of that was the ability to use things like HDR and the bokeh effects and different shooting modes in third party apps. Because I think that's been a massive thing with Android for such a long time. If you don't like, if anyone listening doesn't isn't aware, like there's a reason why, say, using the camera on TikTok or Snapchat looks so much better when you do it on an iPhone. Mm -hmm. um, and it's basically under the hood. Android basically just does a screen cap of your camera in real time, and that's what's being fed into the other apps that are using the camera. So. This would effectively, yeah, as Lewis says, bring in all the additional kind of camera software and hardware stuff that's happening under the, under the hood to those apps as well, which actually is, hasn't been part of the recipe right now. And I don't think it's widely known. Um, people just no. assume that apps are better on iOS because they are. Um, but that's like a, a technical reason why. Just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I, hopefully, I was even yeah. with, I, I was hanging out the other day with a, a prominent tech YouTuber who I will not name. Who was showing me? He was asking me like, if I had this problem with the phone. He was, you know, showing that when he went into WhatsApp and tried to take a photo within WhatsApp, like it would crash every now and then. And I just wanted to grab me like, well, don't do that anyway. You're on a Pixel. Use the Pixel camera. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing using the WhatsApp camera? It's terrible. Yeah, zooming <laughs> in, in the WhatsApp camera is just <laughs> awful. But yeah, you're right. That's a small kind of under the hood thing that most people wouldn't notice, and Google didn't even discuss last night. Um, I'm not actually sure if it's in the beta right now, but it is something that it has been dug up in code, right? So we. we uh, I don't know how to test that. We expect I guess just it's like on the way. Check image quality and see if yeah, it's better. Yeah, that would probably be it. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So yes, the Android 12 Beta 1 is available right now. Uh, you can install it if you're on a compatible phone. Not every phone is compatible. Um, a few big manufacturers have kind of thrown their devices in the mix. Um, Xiaomi, OnePlus, uh, Vivo, Asus, and a couple others. Not Samsung, surprisingly. Mm. Um, but there are sort of one or two flagship phones each from quite a few different manufacturers that will right now let you dive into the beta. So if you're lucky enough to own one of those, you can do that. With the important caveat that it might break your phone. You probably <laughs> shouldn't do it if it's your main phone. Um, and we have heard particularly that on non-Pixel devices, there have been some complaints about stability problems. Um, and it, it, you know, OnePlus in particular has had some problem with phones just getting stuck in boot loops with the beta run. So be careful if you want to actually try this out because it is, you know, on your head be it, um, you might just break your phone. There, there is a little point there that maybe we could drop, drop, could have dropped in at the start of the app as a kind of brief news point. But uh, Realme said, you know, we're going to be supporting the betas uh, mm. on our devices. And that includes the Realme GT, which is their Snapdragon 888-powered flagship, yes. which currently is a China exclusive. But in this announcement, saying that we're going to support the beta, they also said, and the phone is going to be launching in new markets globally, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, kind of, yeah, we don't know when exactly, and we don't know how much, and we don't know where, which regions. But this was the announcement of betas on Realme phones, Realme GT launching in other markets outside of China, and uh oh and also realme uh ui 3.0 is actually the kind of version of android 12 that realme will be pushing on its devices so it's also the announcement of that cool okay um <laughs> i guess we can move on having done half an hour on android uh i mentioned it was particularly odd that samsung didn't throw any of its phones into the mix on the uh the, the beta so far that seems especially striking, given that maybe the biggest announcement of I.O. this week is that Google has partnered directly with Samsung uh, to fix Wear OS, Google's beleaguered, uh, little-loved wearable smartwatch operating system, um, which began life as Android Wear, I believe, then became Wear OS, and now appears to just be called Wear. Maybe. Which I hate. <laughs> Where is it? Just to be clear. Where? <laughs> After ragging on nothing last week, where is almost <laughs> as bad. At least it's anyway. spelled W-E-A-R. <laughs> yes. So this is exciting. So basically what we're essentially going to get is some sort of fusion of Wear OS and uh, Tizen, Samsung's OS, with the, the expertise of both to produce one smartwatch operating system that has all that nice uh, infrastructure tie-in with Google's, um, uh, the rest of Google's ecosystem, presumably will also connect very nicely to Samsung's ecosystem. And we'll get the benefit of, well, Samsung knowing how to make good smartwatches, unlike yeah. Google. Yeah, they talked about the uh, the sensor, um, how, how they work with their sensors on their watches, and that's something that they're definitely going to be bringing to Wear OS. So, or, or Wear, sorry. So, uh, yeah, I don't really understand what that actually means in terms of functionality or, or, or maybe just, you know, it's more accurate or better performance or better longevity. But that was one of the kind of key talking points they wanted to raise. Mm. Um, they didn't give us a lot of information in this announcement beyond the fact that they were teaming up. Like the name where is kind of just a working title as far as I'm aware. Like there's no official, like this is what we're calling it yet. Uh, Samsung put out a press release after the opening IO keynote finished separate from Google. Uh, and it also didn't really shed any more light on, on what it is. Um, but they did at least say that the next Galaxy 
smartwatch will be running this platform, which makes sense, obviously, considering this partnership is when it is. Yeah. Um, and that, if nothing else, gives us a little bit more info because while Google didn't really talk time frame at all, um, there have been plenty of leaks about the next set of Galaxy watches that suggests they are pretty imminent. Um, I've seen some people tipping that they could be arriving as early as July. So we are expecting to basically see this roll out for the first time on the Galaxy Watch 4 series, which I think I last I saw could be as many as four different devices. Um, to, I tell you, you'll know better than me. But yeah, we're expecting a, a, a wave of Galaxy Watches over the summer, and that is, from the sounds of it, when we're actually going to see this OS in action. Um, I think it's interesting in terms of uh, how Fitbit smartwatches, Galaxy smartwatches, and um, Google smartwatches are all going to still tr or attempt to stay distinct mm. um, yes. with so many overlaps. Kind of complete, so, so, but complement. Yeah. yeah, That was the yeah. other big announcement out of the night, which is Fitbit announced that they are also working on, on watches that will run Wear or Wear OS. Um, which in, in a way shouldn't be too surprising because Google owns Fitbit and we it was a matter of time before that happened. But it is pretty striking because Fitbit does have its own smartwatch software and I guess that's just going in the bin. Yeah, I'm curious to see how it manifests in terms of their products because we saw a Fitbit widget running on this Wear experience that they're working on. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know if that means that that is then going to be what Fitbit uses on its own devices, period, or we're still going to get separate trackers how that works with the existing Fitbit app on your phone versus the Wear OS app that currently is used to govern Wear OS powered smartwatches um, or whether they double up. Like, yeah, the, how the whole infrastructure will work. They didn't touch on any of that. So it'd be really interesting to see. And also they, they mentioned premium. They, they used, I think, the word premium uh, for their... So I don't know whether we're still going to get all the trackers that Fitbit is known for, but we'll start to see some very, very kind of like classic smartwatch style designs yeah because even it, fitbit's current smartwatches don't really look like other smartwatches exactly yeah the phrase was premium smartwatches i think so definitely my my read on it this is you know not clear but my read was exactly that that the trackers will keep running fitbit's kind of custom tracker software but where will be what runs on when you get a full-fledged fitbit smartwatch like the uh the versa series or i think the sense is their, their current top-of-the-line um, watch. But Samarata, the point you made is interesting. Like, How do they keep the differentiation here if suddenly we have basically um, both Samsung and Fitbit putting out watches running the same software? Uh, Google hasn't so far made its own watch, but there have been loads of rumors of a Pixel watch being something in the works, so there could well be that as well. And if all three are running exactly the same software, it, it will be hard for them to pull apart. Um, I do wonder if we'll see, at the very least, cosmetic differentiation between them. You know, a little more of a Samsung-y aesthetic on the Galaxies and a little more of the Material U design on, on the Pixel versions if they ever materialize and, and Fitbit maybe still keeping its, um, its aesthetic on its version of Wear. And the other question is just it's whether they keep their, their ecosystem as the other way of differentiating it, right? If the Fitbits yeah. tie in better with other Fitbit trackers with the Fitbit smart scales. And if the Galaxy Watch ones tie in better with Galaxy phones, you know, the interoperability isn't necessarily guaranteed. Yeah. Like this doesn't mean that your next Fitbit will link up really nicely to a Galaxy phone because they might purposefully keep those separate. 
Yeah, and it's interesting to see like whether um, using a Fitbit with uh, an Apple phone, if you know if that's gonna if there if that might have um, any sort of effect, yeah. like in terms of interoper interoperability. Yeah, um, that's actually an interesting point because it does mean yeah. neither Google nor Samsung really care too much about their smartwatches working nicely with an iPhone. Because while they might technically want it to be just to say, yeah, it does work with an iPhone, you can buy this. And if you change phones, you don't have to stress too much. It's not really their priority because they know Samsung know that the average Galaxy watch buyer uses a Galaxy phone. And if Google ever built a Pixel watch, I'm sure they would expect it to be bought by Pixel phone owners. Um, But Fitbit, I don't know what proportion of Fitbit's user base is Android versus iPhone, but I would bet there are an awful lot of iPhone owners with Fitbits. And if Fitbit has to run Wear, then Wear has to play nicer with iPhones. Otherwise, Google is yeah. tanking <laughs> Fitbit, you know, just to just to spite Apple, which would feel like an odd move to make. I mean, the whole like Google and <laughs> Samsung partnership does sound a bit like they're ganging up on Apple, just just a little bit. I mean, let's not make Apple feel like the underdog here. They, are. <laughs> <laughs> they can they can look after themselves. But to your point about like where or Wear OS devices and and Galaxy watches not playing particularly well with iOS, at least they do play with iOS to a degree. Whereas yeah. the other yeah. way around, there's nothing. So Apple's not yeah. like, mm, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. Like whilst there might be a lesser experience, if you pair one of these forthcoming devices with an iPhone over an Android phone, you're still going to be able to pair them, which you know, <laughs> obviously just doesn't work the other way around. Yeah. Um, I'm curious as well about what the pricing means for mainly the Fitbit watches, these premium ones. Cause I don't know what, what do you guys consider as a premium price tag in pounds for a smartwatch? I'd say anything over about well, 300. I think personally, right? Yeah, I would. Now. I would agree. Yeah. Because I was looking at the sense, the Fitbit sense right now. That's about 280 that's pounds. So they're kind of heading yeah. in that direction already, but they haven't broken that barrier. And I would agree that kind of 300 pound threshold. Uh, are there Apple watches below 300? I forget. Like of, of current gen stuff, including the SE. Or my my. I think I you can get the, the series three for cheap. Yeah, SE is under. Right. So you can yeah. then get older. Yeah generation yeah. stuff okay <laughs> yeah the, i think the, the series um, is still going strong and so the apple watch se is i can't remember how much the se costs actually um yeah it's not in my head no yeah just completely gone blank but on that for one. the premium experience yeah, yeah. you have to pay uh, like fitbit maybe will serve the wear experience as the premium option yeah. maybe that that's yeah. how google could be positioning yeah. it based on what we heard but you know speculation but i'm just yeah it's intriguing um yeah. how they're mm-hmm. weaving the three companies together for the smartwatch market. It's also worth noting, we've spoken obviously about these three because they're the, the three big players directly involved in in, in building this. Um, but other companies will release Wear watches. Um, we have seen Wear OS tail off a bit, I think it's fair to say, in terms of interest. And, you know, it was always notable that Samsung really just stuck with Tizen rather than going all in on, on Wear. Um, yeah, they made like one... But, Maybe yeah. Wear OS Watch back in the day, and Huawei kept on going with its own stuff, even pre-trade ban. It also, you know, always ran its own watch software. Um, but all the companies, people like Fossil, um, all the sort of more mm. traditional watch companies that also make Garmin. smart watches, yeah. they do generally just tend to throw Wear OS on because it's the, you know, it's the cheap operating system that's open source like Android and that is designed for them to just be able to go and grab it and build build a smartwatch on the cheap and throw it together. So 
if this is a major revamp to how Wear OS works and, and makes it a lot better, like that will be a big boon to that whole wider kind of fashion smartwatch market. One of the things that Wear OS kind of doesn't really have is is OEM or manufacturer kind of customization beyond watch faces mm. and maybe like some preloaded apps. The user experience is pretty much identical. Like the way you swipe around, the way everything looks, the font, like it's pretty much standardized. I'd be intrigued to see whether the the Samsung Galaxy Watch iterations of these Wear devices look more like either as Tizen currently runs on the Watch 3 or just more decidedly Samsung or Galaxy in their design and the user experience um, than the Pixel Watch, for example. It'd be interesting well, totally. to see if there's yeah, it, more, it, more like Android itself, which can be yeah, skinned by manufacturers. It, it feels like it would have to, and maybe this will be part of the key to them improving take up from other manufacturers is being a bit more look you can make it look like it's your own thing yeah um it, it doesn't have to look like a google product because that is exactly i cannot imagine samsung putting out a galaxy watch where you hit the software and it feels like you're on a pixel product yeah um you know they will want it to feel of a piece with the rest of their line the inverse being fitbit won't put out a watch that you turn on and you're like this is a samsung ui um, yeah. so that they they might you know i'm sure from the beginning it must have been a, a deal breaker for samsung to just you know it must be a red line of like well there has to be ui customizability because i just really struggle to imagine a world in which samsung fitbit and the pixel team all settle on the same ui that they're all happy with and that everyone's happy to use and and again it makes more sense for them to offer customizability as a way to lure in uh more manufacturers to doing wear devices and you know, say we've spoken about how the, a lot of the fashion brands run that, but, you know, the other, the flip side of the smartwatch space is all of the, um, you know, a lot of the other smartphone brands, like uh, a lot of the Chinese brands that put out their own, you know, watches. You can get, you know, Oppo and, and Xiaomi and, and Realme and Amazfit and all of that. And almost all of them basically run something on their own software. Again, Wear OS just isn't used. Uh, I would say that the Oppo Watch is an interesting device because in China it runs some kind of weird custom Android build. But outside of China, it is actually, I'd probably say, the best Wear OS experience you can get right, right. now. Um, but it is a weird device because of that. Because, you know, I just wasn't expecting them to, to pick Wear OS because it's just never been seen as a prominent or a worthwhile player because of the limitations of the platform as it stands. Um, so, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's such a... Oppo is a good third-party entrant with this new Wear platform once it's yeah. available. Or even the OnePlus. Yeah. Yeah. OnePlus would I mean, be a good after... one too. After OnePlus got you know slated on on, on their watch, you could absolutely see them wanting to just jump and be like, okay, there's <laughs> good workable software over here. We can use that as a starting point because that's the whole point of the Android ecosystem. You don't have to build your own OS from scratch. You you know run something that's already there and then just tweak it to suit your user base and your design language and your product ecosystem. Um, it's kind of baffling that Wear OS hasn't just copied the way they do Android, because it worked quite <laughs> <Yeah>. well. <laughs> uh, I equally wonder if it internally was them trying to not be like Android, trying to fix things like the Android fragmentation problem by being a bit more Apple in the way they handled it, but then they just hit all the other manufacturers being like, but no, we don't, you know, Apple's not trying to build software for other companies, so it doesn't work that way. I mean, Samsung is a weird choice for them to team up with in one respect because they don't make Wear OS watches currently and they haven't done for <laughs> years. 
Um, so I guess they partnered with them because they were doing so well with their own platform. In my head, Fossil Group makes a better partner in terms of understanding how Wear OS watches currently perform in the market because they probably throw out more across the various brands because they do, you know, all the fashion brands. So they do Diesel and they do Armani as well as their own Fossil brand stuff. Mm-hmm. Um I guess they don't have the technical expertise that Samsung has. So, yeah. No, I mean, I guess the thing for the Fossil Group is the whole point is they don't have to build software. They just, you know, install the software that's already there. Throw that's it kind in. of why it's popular for them. Um, the Samsung feels like a pointed choice because it does feel a bit like Google throwing its hands up and saying, yeah, we, we haven't done a good job so far. <laughs> Samsung yeah. has. People generally review Galaxy Watches pretty favorably and like the experience. And it does feel kind of pointed to be like well look we're partnering with someone who makes good smartwatches and they will teach us how to make good smartwatches and we'll come out with a better system for everyone and i'm sure for samsung it helps because essentially they're splitting the dev costs yeah um and they get the you know the kudos of of being announced in it and and getting Mm -hmm. to uh, lay out a little bit of what forces the how the rest of the market makes its watches samsung gets to kind of lay down ground rules for its competition to some extent a funny sort of way uh so yeah very interesting we will maybe i guess like you said the first chance we're going to find out more will probably be whenever the galaxy watches are unveiled that is probably this summer but we haven't heard anything official from samsung yet uh but we're expecting new watches maybe new galaxy buds there was some stuff about them today and of course the two foldables uh we don't know if we're going to get all of those in one go or spread out across a few events but at some point in the next few weeks the next few months sorry weeks would be nice though uh hmm. we will see the galaxy watches and with them hopefully see whatever the hell where actually is that seems like as good a point as any to turn to all the google pixel products that are maybe on the way um we've already briefly addressed one which is the pixel watch which has been long rumoured in the same way the OnePlus watch was for a long time. Um, there's just been lots of speculation that Google will be working on its own watch. I think this Wear announcement only throws fuel on that fire because yeah. if Google's doubling down on on fixing Wear rather than quietly letting it die in the corner, um, that does suggest it might throw some pro, like premium hardware behind it as well to help sell that. Um, and again, especially with the Fitbit chops that it now has in-house. But deep breath we are also kind of expecting to see this year the pixel 6 obviously the pixel 5a um maybe a pixel foldable um and the pixel buds a buds a may be a good starting point because they are the product we thought we might see this week i think that's the only hardware that anyone should seriously have been expecting to be announced Mm -hmm. um these are, in case you've forgotten, the headphones that Google itself has managed to <laughs> accidentally leak twice. Um, you just <laughs> posting photos of its own unannounced product on its website or on Twitter. Um, so we know these are coming. Um, everything we've been tipped is basically these are budget Pixel Buds. You know, a sort of cheaper cheaper take on the Pixel Buds, hence the A, a la Pixel 4a. Um, the problem with that is no one really liked the Pixel Buds. Because, like, the first <laughs> ones were famously terrible, the ones that yeah. were joined by a cable. The second ones yeah. looked more promising. I didn't test them. Lewis, did I you test the Pixel them, yeah. Buds too? Yeah. 
what was the fundamental issues with the pixel you buds? You can hear too? the enthusiasm in his voice. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I tested them. Yeah, um, I mean they were fine, but their 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 touch sensitive surface on the outside was just way too sensitive. So whenever you'd adjust them in your ear or something like that, you'd end up pausing or skipping or changing the volume or right. activating Google. Um, yeah, and the translate stuff, which was always a big kind of sexy feature that you can do, you know, real time translation. It's so complicated to set up and use. You just you're like, why? Why do you bother? So um, I'd save my money and get something about half the price. That sounds better. Like the so Pixel Buds A. There we go. Which, <laughs> half the price. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so they, so Google went to Lewis's review specifically, <laughs> and <laughs> like we need to make a product that he'll like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a hard pitch to be, remember those headphones you didn't like very much? Well, now we've got some that are even worse, but they do cost less. Um, <laughs> because obviously they're going to have to strip out features. I mean, I do wonder if they're just going to take out the translation tech and just be like, these are headphones. Or whether they see that as the inherent, that's what makes them pixel buds mm. thing. Yeah. In which case, noise cancellation, like active noise cancellation, would be the most like biggest cost saving, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, they do at least I mean, they should look nice I think I, I always liked the design of the buds and yeah, the buds yeah, A that we've seen look pretty similar the, the leaked images Google shared there's new there's colors some tiny little differences and new colors and where the colored panels are is, is slightly different basically um, but I think I think they look attractive so they could end up filling a nice space as being like some of the better looking cheap true wireless headphones mm -hmm. maybe yeah, and then, and then yeah, I feel like it's. I'll say sorry for all for all the um, sorry. Go ahead, Lewis. <laughs> the the bad features and stuff like that. They were comfortable to wear a lot of the time. It's just that when you had did have to adjust them, it was that's when the the pain became apparent. <laughs> Which is it notable as well because that was one of the worst things about the original ones. From what I remember, again, I haven't used any other Pixel Buds myself, but I remember our, our reviewer at the time uh, complaining that the first Pixel Buds genuinely hurt to wear. Um, they were actually painful. Um, so they did improve that. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Pixel Buds A, I think we will see soon. So these are these have been leaked enough, and we've seen these like actual, final, full, official Google renders. Um, my guess is they just didn't want to do a single hardware announcement with no other hardware announcements, and for that one hardware announcement to be budget headphones. Uh, Instead, it's, they know, wanted if, to show you a paper plane that you could talk to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about the paper, paper plane. Or Pluto. <laughs> <laughs> this was an uh, atrocious Google tech demo that went on for far too long. For very cool tech with conversational natural <laughs> yeah. language AI that they decided to show off for 15 minutes. People pretending <laughs> to talk to Pluto or a paper airplane. Um, if you didn't watch the IO conference yourself, please, I implore you, do not go back to try and watch it to see that. It's not worth it. It's so boring. Um, yeah, so Pixel Buds A coming soon, probably. I think genuinely we should expect these in the next few weeks or month because everything we've had seems to indicate this is a finished product. I think they're just waiting for the excuse to get some actual attention on it and not have it kind of knocked out of the news cycle by Android 12. Yeah. Uh, the other stuff is clear. Probably the next one after that, Pixel 5a. We've spoken about this on the show before, I'm pretty sure. Uh, the Pixel 5a is interesting partly because... It was reported briefly that it was cancelled um, by the ever-reliable John Prosser, never known to get a leak wrong. 
um, who very confidently tweeted that the Pixel 5a had been cancelled. Um, this did drop enough news that Google almost immediately threw out a statement saying, no, it's not been cancelled, and had to actually announce the phone without giving any details about it. Um, but what is interesting is it is only coming to the US and Japan. Mm. So it is kind of half cancelled. Prosser wasn't entirely wrong, and you feel like maybe he just mm. got his intel from someone operating out of one of the other territories who you know had been told it was not coming to them so there will be a pixel 5a everything we've seen points to a very boring phone though because every leak we've had we have um like complete renders from on leaks based on on leak specs and rumors and it looks identical to the 4a 5g um i think you know there's even talk that it might have the same chip as the 4a 5g um, though I'm, I'm sure that has to be wrong and it has to at least get a chip bump. That's but the one thing they could change, right? Like... Yeah. <laughs> the dimensions are the same. The camera module looks the same. The pinhole, the, the selfie camera looks the same. The, the build is the same. You've still got the rear fingerprint scanner from what we can see. Um, the, the display specs that come out are the same. So everything we've seen so far says this is the 4A 5G again. Um, so we've... Maybe it'll ship with Pixel Buds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And that's it. <laughs> 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 but this does maybe feel telling because the 4a the a series has always done better in the us or at least been better received because there's less competition in the um in the mid-range market i don't actually know how true that is of japan i don't know how big a hit it is in japan i know the japanese phone market is wild and very mm -hmm. different to most others and has its own players doing their own thing um one of which actually i, I forgot to talk about earlier in the news bit but sharp announced the first phone with a one-inch sensor. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we've always heard Huawei well. are going to be the first to do this and just Sharp quietly announced one and said, yeah, it's coming <laughs> to Japan only. First one-inch camera sensor in a smartphone. Absolutely wild. Um, so, but yeah, exclusive to Japan because they only sell their phones in Japan. Um, but yeah, so I, I think the rest of us aren't really missing out on the 5A, which is a shame because these are normally pretty solid mid-range mid -range devices. And the, the 4A... The 4A last year was good. I think the funny thing is I liked the 4A a lot more than the 4A 5G. Yeah. And I'm disappointed that of the two, it's the bigger... Because the 5G is larger as well as being 5G. Um, and it seems a shame that it's that one that they've picked to then bring forwards again and, and duplicate. My only hope is they're basically going to take that, whack in a new chip, and cut 50 to 100 bucks off the price tag. Um, because the one problem the 4A 5G had was it was a little uh, too expensive, maybe, and, and in terms of cutting close to the Pixel Pixel 5. Do we have uh, screen size? Because like, that will obviously be a big deciding factor. I think you know the Pixel 4A and the 5 were both kind of an advocate for a slightly smaller Android footprint. Android it phone is footprint. supposedly a 6.2-inch OLED, the exact okay. same that was in the 4A 5G. Hmm. It sounds a bit like a just like a marketing exercise to just re-release the same phone and just get a bit more publicity for the same hardware release. Doing an Asus with the Zen, yeah. with the Zenfone flip. Yes. And, and yeah. I, yeah, I feel like Motorola with all their G series phones pretty much does the same thing. I mean, to your point, Dom, about like the A series doing well in the US because the mid range and the affordable market just isn't as as isn't the same as it is elsewhere, like in in Europe and UK. Um, I immediately had that thought, Samatra, about how Motorola's kind of run away with the Moto G line and just like thrown the branding around everywhere now on devices that don't really constitute what originally defined yeah. the G series. And I could totally see Google 
going the same way with the A series and suddenly everything just has a lowercase a appended on the end because yeah. that's what sells. <laughs> um, I yeah. really hope that that doesn't happen, but I can totally see it happening. Um, yeah, so 5A on the way, probably, but only if you're in the States or Japan. We're going to miss it. I am surprisingly not that fussed on that, partly because we are hopefully going to get the Pixel 6, which does look more exciting. Um, and I think now there's talk that there might be a 6XL as well, which I wasn't sure I was expecting after the way they've handled their models in the last few years, where we've seen the XL disappear. But apparently the XL is coming back. Um, and if you trust John Prosser, again, the John Prosser who got the 5A cancellation completely wrong, if you trust John <laughs> Prosser, uh, we now know what it looks like. And it is really weird. Hmm. My first thought was, I mean, aside from the color palette, which we can get onto, was the fact that, you know, you showed, I think, was it last week, that you've got the Mi 11 Ultra DOM, which has the magical kind of like yes. camera island on the back. And it's so prominent, I think MKBHD even hung the phone on the edge of his desk and it was able to hang on <laughs> I bet, I bet it would, yeah. by the camera module. And this <laughs> Pixel 6 render looks like it could do exactly that. Yeah. It's like a straight 90 degree jut of a camera hump. It's very strange. It's very odd. So yeah, it's this line of camera module that stretches out across the top of the phone and juts out by what looks to be, you know, half a centimeter or something. Um, <laughs> and it's not right at the top of the phone. So then there's a bit at the top of the phone that's flush with the body. Then big camera module juts out, strip going all the way across the back and then the rest of the back of the phone. Um, Chris, who's on the show a lot, pointed out to me that it would solve a problem he has, which he hates with modern phones, which is the way having the camera module in one corner makes them rock when you put them mm -hmm. um, backside down because they're, they're uneven. This at least would be even. Um, but it's very odd looking. It makes the camera setup very prominent. And what strikes me about it is it's very unpixel. Mm. This doesn't look to me like any other pixel we've seen before which haven't, partly because Google's never gone for giant camera modules and giant sensors. It's mm -hmm. always had that focus of um, being software-driven, fundamentally, on, on its camera side. Um, I wonder if they feel like they finally need to catch <laughs> up with um, a real zoom lens, like you know, putting in some, some decent zoom or even periscope, um, or going in for larger sensors which obviously is the space we've seen almost everyone else racing for, as we just mentioned, Sharp going for the first one-inch sensor. You know, bigger and bigger sensors are the space that the likes of Xiaomi, Huawei, and Samsung are fighting it out in. And maybe this is Google catching up to that and recognizing that if it's going to do it, it just has to do the big module, whether it likes it or not. The conversation around sensors, I think, was raised with the Pixel 5 because, yes, it was an improvement on the Pixel 4, but that lead sensor, I think, is still the Sony IMX363 that, like, every phone in 2018 used or 2017, <laughs> uh, pretty much, um, or, or whatever it is. It's, it's a 12 sensor that Google's used on its devices for at least three generations now. Um, and as much as they've proven you can squeeze so much more out of hardware through software which is kind of what they're known for, there is, a, there is a limit that maybe we're reaching now based on what we're seeing from the likes of Oppo and, and Samsung with what they're able to do with new hardware as well. Um, so it would make sense that the 6 is the one that introduces new actual camera hardware. I think if they didn't, that would 
probably be one of the big points of criticism just out the gate because yep. we can already see that they're reaching a kind of plateau with what they're able to do with the existing hardware that they've used since I think the Pixel 2 might have been just the Pixel 3. Um, that's also in the Pixel 5. And camera's and the last place Google wants to get criticism. You <laughs> yeah. know, that's Especially kind of if it's whole... expecting people to pay for yes. photos now as well, as of June. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, one note, so where Toddy mentioned the colors. Uh, if you've seen these renders by John Prosser, they have a very orange 70s color yeah. palette <laughs> to them. Um, which kind of black cream orange yeah, situation. Very strange. It is worth flagging. That um, one another big leaker in the space, Max Weinbach, pretty much immediately shot shot out a tweet saying that he can independently verify that the renders are broadly accurate in terms of the the shape of the phone, but that the colors are wrong. Uh, so we have disagreement on whether those are the right colors. Um, so I think it's fair to say if the colors are what are putting you off here, hold out because we're not confident on what those are going to be. I think it is fair to suggest it's going to end up being quite pastel hued because Google has precedent there and everything Material U from the Android 12 software side seems to be pushing uh, a fairly pastel palette for the most part. And I would does expect that on the hardware too. I'm just hoping it isn't this weird burnt orange kind of thing. Because <laughs> um, it's, it's really... There is a nicer champagne Sorry. one though, there not there? Mm. Kind of like a yeah. kind of gold a kind of... Yeah. Nicer. It wouldn't surprise me if they just... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, uh, let's just say it, it wouldn't surprise me if they released a, a whole bunch of different colors in the same way Apple has done with the iPhone 12. What, more than we've seen usually um, from them, you mean? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah I'd like to see that. I wonder if... usually? Yeah. I wonder if the margins work for them. Because we see Apple and, and Samsung did the same thing. It does it every now and then with some of its phones. Some it launches with just mm. two, but um, I think maybe the S20 FE was the one that came out with like six yeah. colors. Um, and some of the A series are the same. The difference is it sells those at such huge scale. You know, tens of millions of units will get sold of that. And Google just doesn't shift that many pixels. Mm. And I, I suspect it just adds a fair bit of margin having too many different color options around. And I'm not sure it really makes sense for them. I mean, from they should that, just go hard on the cases because you're going to want a case over that huge yeah. bump of yeah. a camera, surely. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the problem because then if you, have a, if you have a case that evens out the camera bump, which is very thick, it suddenly makes your whole phone very, very thick. thick, right? Yeah, true. Um, whereas if you spread that thickness out over the phone in the first place, then the case doesn't have to add too much. Um, again, this is a problem. We're just going to see this problem more and more with more and more manufacturers as these camera bumps get bigger and bigger and bigger on, on flagships and, and not just in like 2D space, but how much they jut out from the body is... Uh, I think going to start annoying people soon. I think we're going to see the trend reverse a little bit once people hit a point where they just say this is daft. Because again, I, the Mi 11 Ultra, I've been using it for a week. I love the phone. Camera's phenomenal. But man, it's big and it's heavy and it's ugly and I will not be sticking with it once I'm done with the review because as phenomenal as it is, the camera bump is just unmanageable. And that's the same feeling I have when I look at these. And that's just never the space I'd expect to be in with a Pixel, you know? Yeah, I feel like manufacturers could start designing certain smartphones with a case in mind. Might make yeah. more sense. Because uh, that is how most people would use be them. a good one to do it on, really. Yeah. Uh, one final Pixel device that's worth talking about very briefly. We don't know an awful lot about it, 
But I did mention there is rumor of a Pixel foldable. Mm. Um, this is tipped to arrive this year, which is exciting. Um, we don't know a lot, but basically, I think it was 9to5Google first reported on some internal documents, uh, internal Google documents referencing a code name um, called Passport. Uh, and then in the Android 12 beta, some people have dug up, dug up model numbers that match up to the various Pixel 6 and 5a models, but also one that matches up to Passport. So this is another little bit of evidence that there is some sort of Google foldable in the works. Um, uh, it's interesting that they chose that name considering that worked out so well for BlackBerry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, passport will be, is yeah, that's an internal code, so don't expect it to be called the Pixel Passport, um, much as I enjoy <laughs> the alliteration. Uh, Pixel Fold or something to that effect seems much P more likely. It would become the PP and no one wants to be using the PP as their main device. That's no good. So. <laughs> The one thing that makes me a bit hesitant over whether this is coming or not is that I don't think we've seen anything to do with Android 12 so far suggesting more and better baked-in foldable support, which you would think Google would be working on if it had a foldable on the way. And you'd think there'd be more hints in the OS stuff that they were building Android 12 to be more foldable-friendly and save, save the likes of Samsung the work of, of doing all of that UI stuff on their own. I mean, they need to fix tablets as well. And oh, that's obviously where crossover is. And there was no mention yep. of tablet stuff at IO 2021. It was all about how it runs on a phone, yep. specifically a Pixel phone. So, yeah, I I would be wary of, of any large screen Android experience that Google is dishing out, like throwing it back to the Pixel C, I think, was their Android tablet, the last Android mm. tablet they produced. It was awful. And it had no reason to be awful. And as much as I love the idea of pixel aesthetic in a foldable form factor, I would be very wary of how that would actually manifest as a product you can buy. Given how every pixel product so far has some sort of glaring flaw that cripples <laughs> yeah. it, um, I'm mostly just excited to see exactly how they screw up the foldable. <laughs> Um, you know, what What will it be? Will it be that, you know, it just can't survive more than a thousand folds before the screen shatters? Or, <laughs> or you know, I, I don't know. Massive they, they, camera module. Massive yeah. camera module, a two-hour <laughs> battery life. I don't know. So, you know, they're just going to screw something up because they always do. I love I love their stuff and I often love a lot of the pixels, but there is always one big caveat you've got to give where you're like, this phone's great, but... I'd say the 5 uh, is like the only one that does it. Maybe the 4A 5G. Well, even the five, is... the five I kind of get, but the, the five arguably has that, which is this is this phone's great, but it uses a mid-range chipset. Yeah, it's unexciting price. in the market as a whole. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I think, yeah, it avoids most of the, the damning issues. Uh, but before then, there's always been something, whether it's screen problems or that awful Pixel 4 battery Pixel life. Pixel 4, or, man. Or <laughs> battery. Something. We've already talked about the <laughs> Pixel Buds being, like, in two different ways, quite quite challenging to use. Um, so I'm very wary every time Google wades into a new into a new form factor. I have the same it's... concerns with the Pixel Watch too. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we have zero track record of Google making good wearables. It's just um, the only thing that gives me hope there is Fitbit because they bought Fitbit for a reason, and no doubt, um, if they had any sense, would have immediately dragged some Fitbit engineers over to the Pixel team if they are working on a, <laughs> on Fix a Pixel this. Watch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
that I think we'll have to do it for today. This has been an extra long episode. Um, all things Google. Thank you to everyone who has been watching and listening. As ever, we will be back next week. Um, I don't know what's coming next week. I can't think off the top of my head of any actual exciting announcements we have in the works. So I think we'll figure it out as we go. Phones? Maybe, maybe. maybe some phone <laughs> stuff based on the new... Based like, on track record, I'd say you could pretty safely predict we are going to talk about phones. <laughs> <laughs> so we will see you there. Uh, thanks, everyone. Bye.